I really kind of broke it down into what I call the calm parent. And it's four habits that I encourage parents to, to adopt um, to help them really create this connection with their teen and really any age group. Um, but the first is the C and that's be curious. So one of the most important things I think for a parent is to be really curious about their teen in a few ways. First of all, if there's a behavior, a lot of times we focus on fixing the behavior. They, we don't like their attitude. We don't like that they're watching so much or playing so much video games. We don't like that they're not studying enough or not getting good grades. We try to fix that problem. And that problem keeps popping up over and over again because we're not fixing the reason that that behavior exists. So what I ask parents to do is get curious and look for why are they not motivated to study? Why are they spending so much time on their video games? Hi, I'm Sandy Fowler, and you're listening to Mighty Parenting, a podcast where we explore parenting in a way that helps us and our kids find more happiness and fosters emotional wellness, even while solving problems with our teens and young adults. We learn through advice and stories from experts and other parents, and I'm so glad you've joined us. So welcome to Mighty Parenting, where we have real, raw, and relevant talk about raising teens and parenting young adults in today's world. Today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp, providing therapy when you need it. We cover a lot of different topics here at Mighty Parenting, and many of them touch on concerns that would be easier to handle with help for either you or your teen, because the entire family impacts each other. So if you struggle, it impacts your child. And when your child struggles, it makes a huge difference if you learn new skills and new ways of interacting with them. Our sponsor can help. BetterHelp provides confidential professional help through licensed therapists. They match you with a therapist based on your situation, and then you can communicate through message, chat, phone, and video for one flat fee and get all the help you need. BetterHelp is not a crisis line. They work with clients to handle things like depression, anxiety, anger, family conflicts, sleep, LBGTQ matters, relationships, support in reaching your goals, and much, much more. I want you to start living a happier life today. As a listener, you can get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com listener. Join me and over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp.com slash listener. Our conversation today is with Cameron Caswell, known as Dr. Cam or the Teen Translator. She is an adolescent psychologist, a family success coach, host of the podcast Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam, as well as the Parenting Teens Power Hour. And she's also the author of Power Phrases for Parents, Teen Edition. And today she is joining us to discuss teens acting out. Dr. Cam, welcome to Mighty Parenting. Thank you so much, Sandy. I'm happy to be here. I am very excited. As I looked at your work, I knew that you were hitting on an area that a lot of parents just get really frustrated with. And this is this piece of our teens acting out. I think we expect them to be acting more adult than what we actually get. And it's very frustrating for parents. And you tell us that teens act out because they feel misunderstood. And that's actually true, that they are misunderstood. So would you tell us more about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I actually think teens are the most misunderstood age group on the planet. 
And here's why. Um, we expect them to be looking at the world and experiencing the world from the same lens we are, and they're not. They are still teenagers. Their brains are in the process of developing, which means they're seeing the world through a much more emotional lens than we are. They also don't have the same life experience we do. So when we approach something, we're like, well, we've survived this before. It'll get better. Well, they don't know that. They haven't actually experienced that yet. And so add those two things together where they see the world for right now. Um, they have a lot of emotion and they don't quite have the development of the emotion regulation yet and the problem solving and the you know complex thinking isn't quite fully developed yet. And they see these issues right now and they seem huge. And so they react to them in these very big ways that we look going, it's a zit. What do you, why are you freaking out? It's a zit, you know? And so we kind of approach it from, oh, chill out. It's not that bad, whatever. And it doesn't help. They feel completely like you don't get it and we don't get it. And I think a lot of teens say that um, their parents don't get them because they don't get them. And we then also, a lot of their behaviors trigger us. So there's behaviors that we perceive, and I'm using the word perceive purposely. We perceive as disrespectful, defiant, rude, um, kind of pushing us off when really from their perspective, they're just doing the best they can to communicate what they need. And the more we don't hear them, the more frustrated they get and we just spiral out of control. And so what I teach parents is how to understand their teens, take a step back. And when we approach them with that understanding of how they're viewing the world, so much of the conflicts we experience with our teens, we realize we're creating and it's unnecessary and we can figure out how to stop it. So that's really my primary focus. What I really heard you say in the middle of that, actually it's near the end, is you were talking about the behaviors that we perceive as disrespectful. And then you said, we spiral out of control. Mm -hmm. Tell me more about that. Yes. So we have the same fight or flight stress response as our teens. Um, and so when they trigger us, which there's so many ways, reasons they trigger us. And I think a lot of parents, and let me just put out there, I'm a mom of a teen too. So nothing I say I don't live. So I'm not, I don't ever say or expect anything of anybody else that I don't expect of myself. Um, but when we get in these situations and we hear some tones or some words or some, you know, they're pushing back, it triggers us. And we think, uh-uh, no, no, we're the parent. We don't deserve to be talked like that. That's not okay. I need to show that I'm the parent, I'm the boss, you know, and we kind of need to set our expectations and, and set kind of the boundaries and lines. But a lot of the times it's our ego tripping us up a little bit. Um, if we really step back into why are we so worried about that? And I think a lot of times we put so much weight on our teens behavior as validators of how we're doing as a parent. And so if our parent, if our teens aren't very really respectful or they're not getting straight A's or they're not popular or they're not doing some of these things, we see it as a reflection of us as a parent. And so we become very caught up in their success 
because it's our success. And so that makes us um, re more reactionary instead of stepping back and going, okay, what's going on here? What are they trying to say? So when we get our fight or flight sparked and that emotion starts skyrocketing and getting out there, we then add gas to the flame already there, right? So our fight or flight's going, we're emotional. It's hard to come down from that emotion. And we have a prefrontal cortex and experience to be able to do that. Yet we're getting mad at our teens for not being able to do it when we're just making it harder for them to do it. I, I say it's like telling them to stop while we're pressing the gas pedal. You know, it's like we're, we're getting louder and louder trying to tell them to calm down. And it's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. Well, not to mention even that phrase right there. How often have you calmed down when somebody told you, hey, just oh, calm no. down? Yes. <laughs> and no. that adds gas to our own fire. I don't know why we expect it to be differently with our child. I think what we really mean when we say that is, I need you to calm down. That's exactly right. And I think we have these expectations as parents that our kids are going to just agree with what we say and, you know, completely be cooperative and not have their own opinion and not push back and just take our word for it. And they're human beings. They don't do that. We don't ultimately want them to do that because we don't want to raise human beings that go out in the world and are manipulated by everyone. That makes our job a little bit harder because we have to realize that they're coming from it from their own perspective, their own feelings, their own thoughts. And when we try to get them to cooperate forcefully, sometimes not necessarily physically forcefully, but verbally forcefully, we can, um, they feel controlled. And everything in their DNA right now as a teenager is to establish autonomy and be independent of us and figure out how to own and control their own world. So by doing that, we're threatening their sense of control, which is what triggers them. And so we read it as disrespect. They read it as controlling. And we just, again, nobody sees, the, sees eye to eye. And when you break it down, we ultimately all want the same thing. And kids don't want to get in trouble. We don't want to be yelling and nagging. Um, we all want the same thing. We just seem to approach it from a different way. And we read the other person's, you know, their approach or their, their goal as very counter to ours. Yeah, absolutely. And this, I just want to take a moment and reflect on this idea that we actually do not want a child who is very compliant. One thing that I think I actually understood before I became a parent, there are lots of things that I thought that have proven to be totally untrue, but there was one that I noticed just listening to my coworkers when I first got out of college. And that was that the traits that we want in an adult child are extremely annoying Mm -hmm. when they're minors, especially when they're very young, but we want them to be strong, independent, have their own mind, follow their own values, question other people. And those are all the things you were talking about that you said, this is very frustrating to us, but we don't want that when they're out in the world, because you said, and I'd never thought of it this way, but you said they can be easily manipulated then. Yeah. And I think also we 
you know, there's certain things and expectations we have of our kids. And I think a lot of times we spend a, a lot of our energy trying to mold them into who we need them to be or who we want them to be. And that can also really cause them to push back because we're not accepting them for who they are. We're trying to change them. And we come at it from a from the right place. We're not, we're trying to make sure that they're, you know, great human beings and kind and productive and living into their full potential. But sometimes that blinds us a little bit to who they actually are and what's important to them. And so we we often butt heads in that respect. And we start sending the message to them that their value is in them complying with us and doing what we expect them to do. And because that's not who is true to them, they start resenting us and they start feeling bad about themselves that they're not actually who we want them to be. And so this also causes them to shut down a lot. And, you know, we see them kind of locking themselves up in their room and peers are very important, but they also will turn to peers because they need to feel like they belong somewhere and they're accepted somewhere. And they, they don't feel like they are, they belong and are accepted for who they are in their family. They're going to go find that somewhere else. So when we can open this environment for them and we can see them for who they are and we can accept them for who they are and we can work with them and be on their side, their side, work with them as a team to reach their full potential, then that's where the magic and the power happens. But if we're feeling like we're at odds and we're against each other, and I think this is what it often happens is we feel like we're on opposing teams, teams and either they win or we win. And if that's the case, we're both losing. And so I'm always trying to help parents. How do we get on our teen's side and how do we communicate to them by our actions and our words that we are on their side so that they actually feel that? And I think that's one of the tricky parts is a lot of times the way we try to communicate it doesn't match our behaviors doesn't match some of the underlying messages we're sending. And so kids don't trust that. Um, And so when we change that, we open up that connection and we open up that line of communication, it's absolutely amazing. And I see this time and time again, how kids will start opening up. They will start wanting to help. It'll start being their idea that they help because ultimately they want to, they want us to be, accepting and proud of who they are, but for who they are, not for who they're pretending to be to satisfy what we need. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how do we show them not just words? Because as you said, if our teens don't feel like our actions match our words, they're going with the actions. So how do we show them, help them understand and believe that we are on their side and how do we really, we need to be on their side. And I think a lot of our actions, while we may think that it's being on their side, it's really not. It's back to that unintentional control and manipulation that we're trying to do to get them to be who we want them to be. Yeah. And I think so. I I really kind of broke it down into what I call the calm parent. And it's four habits that parents want to, I encourage parents to to adopt um, to help them really create this connection with their teen and really any age group. Um, But the first is the C and that's be curious. 
So one of the most important things I think for a parent is to be really curious about their teen in a few ways. First of all, if there's a behavior, a lot of times we focus on fixing the behavior. They, we don't like their attitude. We don't like that they're watching so much or playing so much video games. We don't like that they're not studying enough or not getting good grades. We try to fix that problem. And that problem keeps popping up over and over again because we're not fixing the reason that that behavior exists. So what I ask parents to do is get curious and look for why are they not motivated to study? Why are they spending so much time on their video games? Why are they talking, feel the need to talk in that tone? Because when we address the why that that exists, then the behavior doesn't have a need anymore, right? That behavior was there as a protective mechanism or is there as a way for them to, to deal with whatever they were dealing with. If we deal with that and we help them address that, then the behavior goes away instead of reoccurring. I also ask people to get curious about who their child really is. Get curious about what they love. Why do they love it? If they love video games, rather than saying you watch too many video games, go, what do you love about video games? Let's talk about the video games. What video game are you playing? What are you trying to achieve? And when we get curious about their things that they love, that's when they open up. And when they open up about the things they love, they start getting comfortable talking with us, sharing with us, and then they'll start sharing with us some of the deeper things that we really want them to share with us um, because now they know that they can trust us. And that's a message we've actually heard in slightly different ways from a lot of our guests, whether we're talking about building our child's self-esteem, helping them get motivated for post-secondary education. In this case, you're talking about behavior issues. There's so many areas across the board where what we really need to do is employ your C of being curious yes. and understanding who they really are, what they really love and engaging with them around that, helping them understand their strengths through that and so many other things that have come up. Yeah. And I, I, it's funny because you said, you know, a lot of your guests are saying this, and I think this is, that's important to state because there's basic things that we are all going around saying in one way or another, because they're true and they work. And my hope is that if it's not me, it's somebody else that is going to click with somebody and they're going to go, I get it now. Or maybe if they hear it in so many different ways, they're going to get it. And I think that is so key because we keep falling back into our own rhythms and our own, you know, our own habits of how we parent and they're not working. <laughs> they're not working. No, no and they're so, not. <laughs> but we keep going back into them. And I've worked with parents and I'm like giving them more tools and different ways to address it. And when push comes to shove, they go right back into yelling and snatching the phone. And those are ways that are two of the least effective ways to actually help our kids grow and develop and change and connect. Um, but that's the way we know. That's what we know. And so when we go into this emotional fight or flight, we go right back into those. And so I think as we learn, there's different approaches to take that are far more effective and build up that connection and help our kids develop more self-esteem. Let's do them. You know, if, if yes. what's working for you is not working, why not try it? Because there's so many people out there saying it works. And like I said, I'm a parent of a teen. This stuff works for me every day. 
Right. And the thing that I liked about it that we're hearing it over and over is because we're hearing it for different areas. So as a parent, when I listen to you and I go, okay, so I need to be curious. It's not that I, this week I need to be curious. And last week I learned something else. And the week before that, I learned something else. What we're hearing over and over from different guests is that if we get down to these core parenting strategies and Mm -hmm. we can change our own behaviors at these core levels that we can impact our entire parenting experience. We can impact our child's life across the board, not just in one area. And it's not 17 different things that I, as a parent, have to learn to do. All you guys are giving us a handful of things. I even had a a listener who wrote in and said, I actually, it was a review um, on one of the podcast websites. And they said, I love that as I listen to Mighty Parenting week after week, I'm, I'm just picking up little nuances on, on these same ideas and these same things and different ways that I can use the strategies that I'm already learning. It's not a whole bunch of new stuff. It's just keep going, keep working on this. Yeah. And I think that's really important. And there's really just some very core things that we want to be aware of that can change so much. And that really gets to the A and the calm, which is take accountability. And I think a lot of times parents will come to me saying, my teen has all these issues. We need to fix my teen. And what they don't understand is that their teen is reacting to them. And if they show up differently, if the parents show up differently, the teen's going to start showing up differently too. But if we expect our teen to change without changing ourselves, another, it's not going to happen, right? If we're expecting us to keep going about how we interact with them the exact same way, but we want them to change how they respond to that, it's not going to change. That's not how humans work right? It's not a teen thing. It's a human thing. So if we start thinking about, okay, I don't like the way that my teen talks to me rather than getting mad at the teen and telling the teen that they need to change how they respond to us. Let's say, how can I show up differently? What am I doing? That's make triggering them. So they feel like they need to talk that way to me. What, how can I show up differently? And so when we start doing this, and I think this has been some of the biggest aha moments with the parents I've worked with, is when they realize this and they take a step back and they go, okay, I'm going to do this a little bit differently. And they do, they're blown away by how drastically it can change their kid's response. Because every kid that I've ever talked to in the past two decades of working with teens wants a better relationship with their parent but does not think their parent wants a better relationship with them. That, that just tore my heart out. I I know there's a lot of miscommunication and I've heard frequently that our teens really do want better relationships with us, but I had not heard that our kids actually believe we don't want a better relationship with them. A lot of times what it is, is they feel that we don't like who they've become. And this really gets to the point where we are, again, trying so hard from the right place. We're trying so hard from the right place to guide them 
in the way we want to guide them. We want to encourage them. We're saying all the right things. You're so smart. You're so beautiful. You're so talented. We're throwing all this on there. But when we're so focused on correcting and fixing and changing and tweaking and doing all these things, they're just seeing I'm broken, I'm broken, I'm broken, I'm broken. And I've heard a lot of parents say, you know, I just wish, I just want my little Johnny back that was so happy and vibrant and used to laugh and play with us. And now, you know, he's up there sulking and I just want him back. And I understand that. But what your teen is hearing is I don't like who you've become because they're not that little Johnny anymore. They're a new, very interesting, introspective, passionate person with a lot different view of life that still wants that relationship with you. But if you need it in that way, if you need still need him to respond to you in the way he used to, that's not him anymore. And so we get a lot of message as I don't like who you are. And so sure, I want a better relationship with you if you change to be the type of teen I want you to be. That's mm-hmm. that's what they're feeling. Okay. And this in my mind, I'm thinking that this also loops back around. One is, so we take accountability. What are we doing to trigger them? And even asking them, I've done that before. And I know that the first time I did it, my kid was absolutely shocked. Like, wait, you're, you're taking responsibility for that. You're not yelling at me for the way I talk to you. But I think this also circles back around to being curious because you said, you know, learn about them, learn about their hobbies, their interests, the things they enjoy. And one of the ways of doing that is asking them to teach you or to take you to do the thing they enjoy and spending that time together, learning something, letting them teach you something, just having fun together is time that you'll be spending together where you're not trying to guide them or change them or do these things that make them feel broken. Yeah, exactly. And let them lead, let them teach, give them responsibilities. Like um, one of the things we do when we go on one trips, my daughter, who's 15 now, has been planning our trips for several years. And she does a better job at it than I do because she researches everything and she reads reviews and she goes on and price compares and she does all this stuff and she's all excited about it. And what she brings to me, that's what we do. Like I give her so much value in that. And so she comes and she's like, she's so, she's part of it. And so she gets better and better at it because she realizes that this is really what we're going to do. Mom's not going to go and say, ah, yeah, that's good, but I'm going to do this instead. It's like, I take value in what she does, which means she now takes value in what she does and she does it better and better and better. Um, So giving them, and they're not going to do it great the first time. They're just not, we don't do anything great the first time. Most of the time Um, we can always get better. So allowing our kids the ability to take on responsibilities and ownership. And that includes ownership if they fail, allowing them to fail at it. If they're going to fail, a lot of parents will be like, well, I gave them ownership, but I didn't like their decision. So I took it back. I'm like, well, that's not ownership. That is complete manipulation saying you can do it as long as you do it my way. But if you're not going to do it my way, then I'm taking it back. That's not ownership. So if they plan the vacation and we know like we're looking at what they planned and we know this isn't going to work. We don't need to tell them that just go and do it and let it play out. And 
let them decide how to handle it and be willing, you know, if ask if they want input, if they seem to be floundering going, you got this. And if you want to toss around ideas and brainstorm, we can do that to like have their back, but not take over. Is yeah. that what we should be doing? Yeah. I mean, vacations, we might want to step back and go, if it's really not going to work, let's sit back, but, in, but not taking over saying, okay, let's look at this. Do you see any issues and kind of bring that up and problem solving with them? I think the big thing is if they do something and it doesn't succeed, rather than saying, I told you so, or what did you did that wrong? Or let me just do it next time or whatever. It, like you said, Sandy, I think it's really important is saying, okay, so what can we do differently? Mm, that didn't work great, did it? That's okay. What, what can we do differently? And so you may want to start with smaller things, but it's giving them that feeling of it's okay to fail because that's an opportunity to learn. And so I'm not going to get blasted if I make a bad decision because that's an opportunity to do a better decision. Because when they're scared of making a bad decision, they'll either not make a decision or they'll just say, well, no matter what I do, I'm going to get in trouble. So I might as well do it anyway, which I've heard a lot too. Um, so I think it's the ability to really look at how do I help them grow? And that really gets into the L, which is thinking long-term. I think a lot of us, and this is just true in life in general, we kind of, we go about life reacting to what life throws at us. And we go about raising teens, reacting to what our teens throw at us. And every day it's kind of this, okay, how is my teen going to act today? I'm walking on eggshells. What are they doing? You know, and we're not, we're so focused right here. We're kind of looking down at our feet and we don't see where we're headed. And all of a sudden we look up and we go, how in the heck did we get here? This is not the relationship I wanted with them. This is not the, the attitude I wanted to help them learn. They are, this isn't, you know, they seem entitled. I didn't want that. Like all of a sudden we've gone this direction, which we were trying to stay away from, but we weren't looking long-term. And so when we look long-term, and I usually do that by helping parents really identify what your core values are, because it's so much easier to make decisions, parenting decisions, day-to-day -day decisions when they're value-based. This also empowers our kids to learn how to make good decisions on their own. Because if the only thing they have to go by is, is this the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do? Well, that leaves a lot of room for interpretation. And with, you know, kids from split parent, split families who have two different homes, one thing can be right at one home and wrong in another home. And so they're constantly trying to figure it out. And a lot of kids can go, I just don't even know what they want. But if we say, is this the kind thing to do? Well, kind is pretty much the same, whether you're at mom's house or dad's house or at school or with your friend's house or wherever you're at, right? So if we start building these values and where our decisions start going into, to, well, can I help them find the kinder way to do this? Can I help them? And we're kind of focused on even the way we're dealing with it. Am I... It, Am I engaging with them in a kind way? Am I showing kindness to them? Am I showing kindness to the person in the grocery store? Am I exhibiting that? Now, all of a sudden, everything we're doing is headed towards this goal that we want to go towards. I love that. And again, I love the simplicity of it. 
mm-hmm. when you talk to people about parenting, you hear things like pick your battles and don't engage too often. Don't overcorrect. Well, as a parent, how are you supposed to know? How often do I do this? When do I do this? When you can step back and go, does this connect to one of our core values? And if it doesn't, then you can probably just let it go. And if it does, then that also gives you a starting point for an open, honest conversation around core values. Instead of going in and saying, we don't do this, you can go in and say, you know, we, and correct me if I'm, cause I'm going off the top of my head here and I'm going, hmm. So, you know, I could go in and say, in our family, we really believe in kindness and I'm wondering what you think about that situation, where if, if we're talking about maybe something we saw uh, in the media or whatever, if we're talking about our own life, we can possibly, or their life, we can possibly just ask them, say, do you think that was a kind way of handling that? Yep, exactly. And I think what's really powerful Um, is to get your kids involved in defining what your core values are as a family. Because now if it's their core value and they have some part say in it and we've pulled them in, now this is really something that they understand and is important to them and they they have buy-in, right? So now all of a sudden it's not a battle. And I, I just the pick your battles, I don't like that because I don't right. think parenting should be a battle. Uh, you know, exactly. I, you know, if, if you're butting heads, then it's time to step back and go, why are we butting heads? What am I, what are my expectations here? Um, so I think when we are on the same side and we're like, how do I help my teen succeed in this situation? And that's where I'm always at. I'm, I'm always coming from a, what is the, rather than looking at the problem all the time, I'm looking at what is a solution? What am I trying to achieve and teach my teen in this moment? Um, and how am I going to help set them up to succeed at that? What can I do to help them succeed? Not make them succeed, not push them to succeed. How can I help them set them up so they can succeed on their own? Um, and that definition of success has to be what they view as success, not what we want them to do and is successful. And I think that's a hard thing for us too. Um, But again, we're preparing them to think on their own, to live on their own, hopefully to move out of our basement, right? And if we do that, we need to start giving them as much room to develop those skills as possible right now when their brains are developing and those connections are being created and those habits are being formed and those self-beliefs are being hardwired. Mm-hmm. And then all of this, is it can be challenging for us. And mm-hmm. as I teach moms, you when you are a parent who is calm and and peaceful in your own skin, it makes all these things easier. And your last point in your calm, I believe is being mindful, practicing mindfulness. And that sounds like it's going to just shore up everything else. So would you tell us about the M? Yes. So being mindful, and I feel like that word's kind of overused right now, but it's, it's about being present 
and being aware of how you're showing up, being aware of how your teen is responding to you and being aware of all these different pieces of it. Um, and so when we show up and we're present, which is so difficult to do when we're running from thing to thing to thing to thing. And I think part of that is making the decision. What is so most important in your life? And no one is going to put anything up in front of their kids. I don't think like most of us as parents are not putting anything above our kids, right? I mean, our kids are extraordinarily important, but yet our lives don't always reflect that, right? Our lives are reflecting a lot of different things. And often our kids feel like they're getting what's left of us instead of what's best the best of us. And I think when we're mindful and we're saying, how am I showing up for my kids? What am I able to give to them? How do I make sure they get the best of me? Then we can start thinking about taking care of ourselves because a lot of times we're like, I don't have time to take care of myself. But if I want to show up for my kid the best I can, I need to be the best me that I can be right? I need to take care of myself. I need to prioritize what's going on in my life so that I can make sure that I have time to spend with my child when she needs it. When she's there, I can be there. So I think it's really being mindful, being thoughtful, being in the present about how you're showing up and are you showing up the way that you want to show up as a parent? Are you being the parent you want to be? Because it's not up to your kid to determine what parent you are, which I think a lot of times we feel like our kids control that. It's up to us to determine what type of parent we're going to be and how we're going to show up regardless of what's going on with our kids. And the mindfulness in, in being present and being aware also goes into everything you've talked about today. You're talking about when we are thinking about what's going on with our child, when we are there and we're talking to our child, we want to be focusing on what's happening right there and looking at them and going, wait, I notice that I said something that triggered them. Yeah. And then take that responsibility for that, as opposed to, like you said, just sort of being half present and they have a tone and then you get a tone back and it, the whole thing just spirals downward. Yeah. Whereas if we're mindful and present, we will see in that moment. I mean, it takes time and it takes practice, but we'll see that, wait, they were at one level. And when I said something, boom, that triggered them. So then we can dig into, wait a minute, why did that trigger them? Or even just ask them, say, I noticed that I said something that appears to be bothering you. I'm sorry if I did. And you can talk about that with them, but you need to be mindful to do that. You need to just be there and paying attention to what's going on. Not either thinking about the other 10 things you need to do today, or not thinking about how you're going to get them to do what you want them to do. Yeah. And you know, I, I, it's very difficult. All of this sounds really great in theory, And then you get into your busy life, hectic life, running, you're late, you're doing this, you're doing that. And it gets really hard to do. And so I think part of this is really thinking about what piece of this, just implementing what one piece, what piece of this do I want to start implementing? And what you're going to find is as you start changing the way you show up, 
your children are going to start changing the way they show up. And all of a sudden, so much of the stress that is making us respond the way we don't want to respond starts dissipating. And now we don't have as many reasons to be triggered and respond. So it's this huge thing because, you know, if we want the life, if we want this life, we need to start slowly doing the things we need to get to that life. It's not going to happen overnight. Our kids are definitely not going to just turn over and go, oh, mom wants to do it differently. We're all going to do it differently too. No, they're not going to, they're going to keep in the same habits they're going. It's going to take time for things to change over and shift. So you need to just pick one thing, stay extremely consistent with that thing and see how that starts to change. And as that does, and as things let up in that one area, then you can start expanding to something else because eventually that's going to change the dynamic in your home. And that's where the stress gets released. And all of a sudden you're not trying to be the parent you want to be. You are the parent you want to be. And the life is the life that you want to be, but it, it takes a while to get there. It does. It takes time and it takes our focus and our energy. And I appreciate you spending time with us today, Dr. Cam. This has been so helpful. And I especially appreciate you reminding us that take, take a baby step, get, get comfortable. Don't, when you're not wobbly anymore on that baby step, then take another one. And for our listeners who want to learn more from you, where can they get that? Yeah. So I have my, my 10 favorite tips um, that they can grab for parenting teens, which is at askdrcam.com slash parenting tips, all one word. So that's askdrcam.com slash parenting tips. Um, they can find that there and that's got my top tips. And then my website again is just askdrcam.com. And then you also have your your podcast that is available over regular podcast players. And then your other show that you do via Facebook, which is all on your site. And I, you do so much and offer so much. Thank you for that. Oh, absolutely. I love it. Yeah. They can find everything on my website. It's all right there. Fantastic. And mighty parents, thank you for being here. And remember if you're here, if you're listening, you are a mighty parent, you got this and I will see you next week. Mighty Parents, thank you for joining me for this episode of the Mighty Parenting Podcast. If you're ready for more, visit MightyParenting.com where you can get your free email series, How to Talk to Your Teen, with tips for communicating with your teen in a way that builds connection and communication. You can also get Mighty Parenting Plus so you can access our private podcast, which includes all the Mighty Parenting episodes, behind the scenes, guest highlights, and more. And of course, remember to share the podcast with another parent to support them on their parenting journey.